you know, I wasn't home for six months. I was in Shanghai with Lion King for three months and then I went, I flew straight to Doha to work on the Asian Games. So I wasn't even in the country for six months, which is a big call, but it's just what I did. It's just what it is. That's where the jobs are. That's where your money is. You're listening to An Actor and a Mic, a podcast focused on the often tumultuous but spectacular journeys of Australian artists. Welcome to episode six, and in today's episode, I interview Claire Burr, an internationally travelled stage manager who I found out is also a classically trained saxophonist. Claire speaks of her institutional training and how she went to both the Conservatorium and NIDA. And we also discuss what it was like to internationally travel as a stage manager and the pros and cons that came with it. This one is definitely a must listen and it doesn't matter what kind of arts you're coming from. And I also thoroughly enjoyed speaking to Claire, so it was a good time. So enough hyping up, I'll let you get right into the interview. Episode 6 of An Actor and a Mic. Today's interview is with Claire Burke, an accomplished and eclectic Australian artist with a musical and technical production training at some of the most prestigious institutions in Australia and with some experiences to back up that training. Um, I'm so glad you're here, Claire. Thank so you. It's, it's, a, yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here and interview you. That sounds very exciting, that introduction. Yes, uh, well, I got to talk. Like I to talk to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... I mean, I wanted to get to know your story because it seems to have taken so many sort of twists and turns. And so usually I start like all the way back at the beginning during like when you were growing up. So did you always feel that in some capacity you wanted to do something creative or become an artist? I guess so. And I think being creative kind of chooses you rather than you choosing it. So I started my creativity I guess in music I played the saxophone and I started learning that in grade seven and so by the time I got to grade 12 I could do it all right I could do it better than what I could do anything else so it was just a natural trajectory to play a saxophone oh right okay so I thought okay well I guess I'll be a music teacher okay I guess I'll do that yeah I don't know what else I'd do so give that a hack I was fortunate enough to get into the conservatorium in Queensland. It was great. And I did spend five years there. Five years, wow. I did a Bachelor of Arts in Music and then I did a Bachelor of Music Education. So doubled it up to do the classroom teaching. And, you know, I was kind of happy enough with that. That'll be all right. But as part of the education, you had to choose a second teaching area. I don't know, I'll be drama. And I didn't like acting. I don't really like the spotlight being on me. Yeah. So when the lecturer said, so unfortunately somebody has to be the stage manager and that means not acting, my hand was up. <laughs> or you could say lickety split. Yep, pick yeah. me, pick me. Okay, Claire, you can do that. And I went up to her after it, what's a stage manager do? And he yeah. said, mm, you just organise us. Okay, 
fair enough. Yep. Like, I'll, I'll give that, that a shot. So back in that very rudimentary stage, it was about putting together a schedule and making sure everybody knew what they were rehearsing that day. And because, like you guys do here, we were building the set and doing all of that, I was just checking that all that was Don't happening. Yeah. And, and I really enjoyed it. And I thought, do people actually do this for a living? You know, yeah, I'd yeah. never heard of this. You know, people don't, kids don't go, when I grow up, I want to be a stage manager. I want to be an astronaut or a fireman or a nurse or a stage manager. Yeah. No, no one ever says that. So I didn't even know what it was. And I thought, well, if you can actually do this for a job, I'd much prefer to do this right. than be a teacher. And I went to my mum and dad and I said, you know, I know that I've just done five years of university. Yeah, but it's like, I think I need to change <laughs> but, again. I think I'd like to have a go at this. And my mum and dad are awesome. And they went, yeah, go on. Don't be a boring teacher. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, like, yeah, go for it. And I went, well, okay. So I looked into where to do it. I did a little bit of volunteer work at the Watt. I want to find out more about what this is. And I worked on two shows there as a volunteer. Did you grow up in Brisbane? Or? No, Toowoomba. Oh, you grew up in Toowoomba? I grew up in Toowoomba. Yes, right. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I'm back home. Big come full it, circle. It, I have come full circle. But yeah, so I grew up in Toowoomba. So yeah, going to the conservatorium was moving away from home and yeah, then going to, to Sydney yeah. was further away from home. But I went, okay, well, I'll just apply to NIDA because that seems to be the place to go. And if I don't get in, I'll go and be a music teacher. You know, like a... Oh, wow. There was that, like, if I don't get into NIDA, I'm yeah. becoming a... You know, I've got my two music degrees. I'm wow, ready okay. to be a music teacher. Was NIDA the only place you could do the technical production stuff? No, you could do it at a few other places. There was okay. um, VCA, you could do it here. There yep. was a special stage management course here. At USQ. And at yep. Whopper as well. But I went, okay. Um, so also throughout that little bit of path, I had done a few small courses at NIDA. Already? With already, but with the teaching side of it in mind. So right. I'd done a few workshops on Shakespeare and teaching improvisation and that sort of stuff. I can't imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, you know, I had to try yeah. to get into it because yeah. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't my passion. So I'd done those few little things and... Then I did a weekend workshop at NIDA on stage management. So I had done those things to really sort of work it out because it was a, I mean, at the time, it didn't seem like a big decision. But looking back on it, it was quite yeah. enormous. So, yeah, so I thought, I'll apply to NIDA, just the one place. And if I get in, I'll go. And on my crappy days, I think, bastards, let me in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you also think that the day... I arrived in Sydney to start NIDA. I was at a friend's house and this phone call came and it was the Department of Education. We've got a music teaching job in Cairns for you. Oh, no. Okay. Is this is this some sort of thing? Am I meant to... Is it telling me I need to go to Cairns? Is it telling me that I'm meant to go to Cairns and be a music teacher? But I said, thank you, but no. You're stuck with it. Um, I'm in Sydney now. Um, whoops. <laughs> it's a little far to commute. I did that. And NIDA was awesome. It's it's a hard road. It's not an easy path by any stretch of the imagination. And, you, you know, when I talk to people who, you know, their children want to go to NIDA and 
be actors and, you know, you sort of think, okay, do you know what you're wishing upon them? Yeah, like they need to want it. <laughs> it they, you need to want it. You actually sign a contract that says you will not work. So you have to have support financially because you have to be there. You cannot miss anything. It's 24-7. It's 24-7. Like... I had lectures on a Saturday morning. So it's structured that you do your classwork in the morning and your production work in the afternoon and evening every day. Jesus. So you can't fit anything in and you can't miss. So you, you it's your life. That's interesting. That's almost, would you say it's almost exclusionary? Because the people that can get there are the people that have the support and have the money from the parents. Yeah, or are still able to live at home. Yeah, not because they're in Sydney. Get, get Austudy or Centrelink or whatever. So, yeah, def definitely. Wow, okay. I would definitely say that. But, yeah, I was the lucky one. I got to work for the night of open program on a Sunday. Oh, yeah, single. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I got to spend my Sundays there too, getting my $10 an hour. <laughs> yeah, how long were you there for? NIDA was three years. It was it was three tough years. Yeah, sounds like it. But very worth it. There was 15 in my class. We all started or finished together. No one left. You don't leave. Yeah, I you think know, NIDA's you're, you're, committed. You're committed to just get there in the first place. So, True. And then you get you're with a group of people who have the same feelings about it as you. You know, you, you're passionate nice. about it. You're learning it all together. You come from many different backgrounds because it is a national school so yeah, there's true. people from everywhere all different backgrounds you know we, you, they tend not to take people straight out of school there mm. was two people in my class that were straight out of school and then we also had a lady who had been a nurse and had a whole life as being a nurse she was even older than me wow <laughs> you know so most people discover stage management later, later. in life so you've done something else first mm. Yeah, I think I think there's something to that. I think being a stage manager, you need to be a kind of person that has no problem telling people what to do and you know what's going on. I don't think coming straight out of school, that would – I don't think you have that mentality. You need to have – they say it all the time – life experience. But you do need to have that. You yeah. do need to know intrinsically what you think is right and wrong and you need to have the balls to just make the decision. You can't – Yeah. Oh, what are we going to do? Um, um, just have to decide and you have to go with it. Yeah. Sometimes it's the wrong decision, but hindsight's awesome, isn't it? We, you know, like yeah. you just have to make a decision and based on the facts that you have at the time, that's the right decision, so you go with it. So it is it is very much like that. And so you're there for your three years and you work your way up, you know, you start with the small Italian you know, the assistant role and your yeah, deputy right, role and you're the lead role and you know in what you what you're specializing in and one of the best things that they have is a secondment program so in third year you are seconded to something so okay. it's like work experience and off you go and uh, you see what you're doing and that's where most people get their first job you know you you're out there you're doing it free hopefully you're doing a great job so and then they go you. yeah that's not a bad way to do it it's awesome and i was so lucky the lady who was the head of the program at the time said to me you know sitting down okay claire what are we going to do from what i can see i've got you've got two options here and i know which one i choose oh okay what are you thinking and she said well there's the adelaide fringe festival or there's this new musical called the boy from oz and she goes i know which one i'll do and I said, 
which one would you do? She said, well, Adelaide Festival. Oh, yeah. And I went, I want to do Boyd Moss. <laughs> oh, my God, Claire, I love it. And, well, it just seemed a natural thing for me to do was musicals because mm. of my musical background. I love music still to this day. Like, my house is never quiet. There's always music on. I, I love music. So it just seemed like a natural fit. And it was the best experience of my life because it was when they were writing it. So it was the Todd McKenney mm. Boy From Oz, not the Hugh Jackman one. Right, okay, yep. So I was there as a secondment and Nick Enright was the writer of it and he would come in and go, Claire, it's the green pages today. They were writing the script as they were rehearsing it. What? And I was in charge of keeping the script updated. Jeez, so, yeah. yeah. There's a lot <laughs> so, of pressure straight up. No pressure. Yep. And it was great. And I was there at a time where this fabulous new Australian musical was being written. Of course, nobody really knew that it was going to take off as much as it did. Yep. And they were all working their guts out doing it. Yeah. And the stage management team, you know, keeping up with that, mm, keeping yep. everybody jolly. And everybody kind of knew that it was going to be great because the rehearsals were good. Yeah. And had a great feeling about it. So my succumbent finished yep. and you go back and you go back to Nauru. And then I, they gave me a ring and they asked me to be the swing. So when one of the stage management people are sick, you jump in and you do their plot. So I was doing that while I was still at NIDA. They let me do that. Wow, <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's cool. That being cool. that, you know, when you get to third year, there's not as many lectures and stuff on. And they're sort of going, yay, you know, they're supporting you. And then I finished and Boy From Oz toured and one of the ASMs didn't want to go. So they offered it to me. So that was my first gig and it was great. And without the NIDA experience, that would never have happened. You know, you need, you can do so much. When you're a student, people will let you in to do so much more. Like, you know, even you guys here, if you wanted to do something, you can ring up and say, I'm studying doing stuff here at USQ, mm. I really want to come and see. If you're not studying it and you just ring up and go, I want to come, they go, oh, yeah, whatever. That's true. That's interesting. I, and you can use it. Yeah. To, you know, you just... Yeah. Let me come and sit on a rehearsal for yeah. something or whatever. Yeah, like, exactly. I'm studying here. Yeah, there is something about that. Yeah, there, there's a lot of lot about that. Like if you're interested in directing and I'd like to come and sit in the just, rehearsal room, you know. I just take notes and then... Yeah, if you're studying then they know you're kind of rigid-edge about it rather than yeah. trying to steal an idea or something. Wow, yeah. okay. So it's, I think you touched on something there that you you need to take advantage of the almost student privilege yes. while you're a student. Yes, um, exactly. I, I think what becomes hard there, though, is that you could attest that while at NIDA, you didn't have a lot of time to go out and ask for these sort of experiences. Mm. Um, how did you make sort of the time management work? Do you know what? They organise it for you. In NIDA? Yeah. Right. Yeah. They will, you know, for our stage management group, whenever there was a musical in town or something big in Sydney, they would take you all along as a class. So you'd go and you'd see backstage or you'd go backstage to an opera and they'd, you'd rotate through and you'd hear someone call the show, which is my favourite bit of stage management. It's yeah, where okay. you, you sit, uh, so you sit in the corner and read a book. So you sit in the corner and you've got all your cues written down where you cue everything to move so you'd get to listen to how different people 
made that work and yeah, how they right. called, how they wrote their books and, you know, so they did a lot of that for you. Sounds like you were really, really lucky to, to go to NIDA and yeah. get that experience. Yeah, very much so. Um, and the lecturers who were there at the time were fabulous. I don't know who's, who's there now, yeah, but yeah, of course. they certainly had our best interests at heart and they cared, you know, which... Which is nice. That's, is nice, and it's really helpful, especially when you're trying to get more people into this industry. I think caring is a big part of it. Yeah, it is because um, it can uh, be forgotten. Yeah, and then and then so what you finished and you did the ASM with Hoya Oz. Yeah, and you travelled around the country, I suppose, or I did. So Boy from Oz went to Brisbane, and I did the Brisbane season of Boy from Oz, and then the guy who was the deputy stage manager so yep. the one above me was stage managing another show so he got poached and he took me with him so i did a show that i think was jolson and it was horrible oh really yeah oh no about al jolson and it, it you know <laughs> it was an it, experience it was an experience <laughs> rob guest was the lead and he was awesome but you know how many people want to come and watch a show about al jolson <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I want to touch on the dramatic shift from going from music. You almost kind of went, oh, I kind of got nothing else going for me. I'll study music. I've become a music teacher, did that for five years, and then went, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Stage managing seems cool. Yeah. And you made that massive shift. Do you feel like by changing so much, all the musical work you put in was kind of a waste of time? Absolutely not. I wouldn't have stuck my hand up to say I don't want to act and known what a stage manager was if I hadn't done that. Music is still with me and you might laugh at this, Griffin. I've, this year I've gone back and I'm playing with the Toowoomba Concert Band. I've oh, been really? to three rehearsals and we've played at a church service this morning. Nice, yeah, awesome. <laughs> but I love it. I, I was dreading it because I really haven't played since, you know, like, a lot since 1995. Jeez. Yeah. That's a while ago. <laughs> it's a while ago. But I played so much that I can pick it up and pretty much play. It did freak me out that the first piece we had to play had five sharps in it. And I'm oh, like, yeah. what on earth is A sharp anyway? I'm going to make this work. But yeah, but yeah. it's always with you. And it's such a skill. I think everybody should learn an instrument at some point in yep. their life because it's like learning a language you know it puts you in touch with other people you know that's what I love throughout school mm. my favorite thing was going to band you know and it was oh, really? Darling Downs band so it was people from every school and then you had band camp and you know this one time <laughs> oh, on band camp yeah, you know yeah. that whole thing <laughs> and it, it was great it was great and I Certainly don't regret it. My mum and dad, who supported me, might regret it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but you loved it. I, I loved it. And I still I still love it. Yeah. But it's, you know, the, the flip side of it is, it is, what do you do as a classical saxophonist? I don't know. Yeah. You, gotta be... you teach. And that's your only option, to teach. Like, you're not part of a traditional orchestra. You're not really oh, yeah, part right. of Yeah, you not, don't kind of fit into anything no, really, do you? You don't really fit in to anything. Picked up bad instrument. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, ease up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean for job like aspects. Yeah. But as an instrument, it's pretty cool. It is. Yeah. It is. It is. And 
I do enjoy it, and yeah. I'm hoping that I'm hoping to get my chops back, so to speak. But I'm enjoying it, so I definitely don't regret it, and it certainly helped with my path towards musical theatre because it's second nature to me, and this thing calling a show that I touched on before is musical. It's a musical thing. You feel the beat because you, know you say go before it has to be seen. So you're sort of saying go on the upbeat when you want to see something. If you are musical, it's easy peasy. If you're not, it's probably hard work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> yeah. It, I can imagine. It, it was just a natural flow. And then, you know, when I started calling musicals, I learned it very quickly and very easily. You know, I, I was an assistant stage manager and I was still calling shows yep. as an assistant. So that was what I was best at. Yeah. Was I mean, it, it does feel kind of like a flow. Do you think, it's going to sound weird, it almost philosophical, do you think you chose this life or this life kind of chose you? Oh, it certainly chose me. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know if, if I was in control, I don't know what I would have done differently. But certainly, like, I don't know why I chose to play the saxophone. You know, like, I just, yep, I just did. You know, they started band at school. I said, anyone want to play an instrument? Yeah, I'll play saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like, oh, yeah, I don't want to act. Yeah, you know, like, just you started, don't yeah. think a lot about it. You don't think a it's going to be a big decision. Yeah. yeah. You don't dwell on it or go, I'll tell you tomorrow. Yeah. You just sort of this is it. let it go. I guess you kind of like that or you're not. And that's the sort of person I am. You just go with your gut and paddle through. Yeah, I guess. super helpful for stage manager. Yeah, like just yeah, just being able to just make that make decision. The decision. It's like, yeah. yep, that's what it was, and that's what we did. Yep, that's um, it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think um, I think it's it's really good that you sort of feel that it shows you, because a, a lot of people feel like they're in control of their life almost, and I just mm -hmm. don't think it goes that way sometimes. No, I think it's easier to let stuff take its course. Other, yeah. Otherwise, you might be fighting against it. And so you went to university twice. Do you think to be an artist in this country, it's necessary to study it? Oh, that's a big question, hey. Look, yes and no. There's my, there's my cop out. No. <laughs> but it depends. It, it's, it's hard to define. Like, to be a stage manager... It helps because there's so many people who have been to university to study it. If you stuck your CV in to get the same job, they're probably going to choose the, the person who's been to university. Unless you can wrangle your way in and do the work experience yourself somehow, yeah. somehow and get in that way. I don't think stage management-wise, I've always said it's not something you can learn. You can do it or you just can't. It's about organisation. It's about people. I don't think you can teach someone organisation. No, you can try and force them to do it, but, like, sometimes but, it just doesn't work. Yeah, but you can just – a lot of people can just do it. That's you know, interesting. You just work it out and time management. You know, like, even today I was going, you know, I am uber time management. Yeah. My husband, on the other hand, is – the total opposite. Oh, no. And it was 1.30 and he was going out to go to Bunnings to do something and then he was spaffing outside and I said, oh, just a reminder, I need to be at uni. Yeah, okay. So it was, you know, 10 to 3 and he was ringing me, I'm on my way, I'm on my, yeah, <laughs> on my no. way home, I'm on Spring Street if you want to go. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, you know, you can work things out time-wise or you can't. You know, it's, yeah, I don't think you can teach stage management to someone who yeah. doesn't have those attributes or people skills. Just sometimes you don't have it. If Yeah, if you'd prefer to be alone with your computer all day, don't do stage management. Yeah. Because um, it's it's easy, easy as that, yeah, I guess. It's um, as easy as that. <laughs> like, would you recommend becoming a stage manager to people that have those attributes? Did you enjoy yeah. the time that you spent? Absolutely. Yeah? Absolutely. It's a wonderful life for a single person. So, oh, for a single person? For a single person. That's the caveat. Okay, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, obviously, depending what you do, but touring all the time, you aren't home. You can't really have a proper relationship. You can't have a family. It's just right. difficult. Some families make it work if they somehow. somehow. And I think you have to be married to someone who works in theatre as well. Someone yeah. that understands the hours and when you say, Oh, I'm doing tech this week, will know not to ask you to go and pay a bill. Although yeah, you know, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> will know that you can't you kind can't of take anything that. else in this is for that week. Where this I'm is, at. Yeah, this is yeah. where I'm at. And I think families that make it work tend to swap. They'll go, it's your turn to have a job. Oh, right. And then it's the other partner's turn to have a job. Okay. So then the other one will stay home with the kids and the kids will have a normal life. And yeah. Because everything is contractual, you know, it's not a full-time job. Mm. You will work for maybe, I don't know, eight months okay. on something and then the other partner can go pop on the next kid and go... Yeah, right. Eight months. But, you know, it's still, it's not easy. I take yep. my hat off to them, to mm. being able to do that. And the kids, you know, miss them. I think, um, like, is it, I know it's good for a single person. So did you enjoy being single for sort of that time of going to different countries and sort of? Yeah. Yeah, well, I actually had a partner while I was doing that as well. But yeah. it is very different. You know, I wasn't home for six months. I was in Shanghai with Lion King for three months and then I went I flew straight to Doha to work on the Asian games so I wasn't even in the country for six months which is a big call but it's just what I did it's just what it is that's where the jobs are that's where your money is you know like you can stay and work for state theatre companies and things as well which is also awesome completely valid and it will keep you in one place you can have a fairly normal lifestyle. I earn a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I see, I see. So is that, was obviously there's a monetary aspect to wanting to travel around. Well, is, there, there is, yeah. Yeah. Is that why, what drew you to the touring aspect and not settling sort of down in an area? It was the shows. It was the musicals. It was the big... Productions Big kind of productions. Yeah. I did work at the Malthouse in Melbourne. Yeah. quite a few years. I'm going to ask I, you about that too. Yeah, when I finished <laughs> touring because I had to go, okay, yeah. it's time to stop now. And I loved it. I loved being at the Malthouse. And I think I gelled at the Malthouse so much because they did a lot of music. Michael Cantor was the artistic director at that point and he loved music too. So, like, so yeah, perfect. We, yeah, <laughs> we did a version of Sleeping Beauty with the most amazing stuff, you know, and... And very, very valid. You know, we had you know, Renee Gayer and Tim Rogers and lots of rock stars come through the Malthouse to do yeah. something. That would have been awesome to see. And yeah, they were they were bizarre. 
Yeah. But they were great. You know, I I can't I couldn't see myself doing a lot of real, you know, a lot of a lot of like actual, or, yeah, like you know, a lot of streetcar named Desire. Yeah, and like it it is totally valid, but for me, the extra icing on top is the music. The music. And then you know the the choice about Doha was for a start going to a country so that is so different to what you know. Yeah. And I hadn't worked on a big ceremony before. So I didn't work on the Sydney Olympics and I didn't work on Com Games in Melbourne. So I was, you know, interested in new sort of territory. What it was gonna be like and it was staffed by Australians. Like oh really? Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody was Australian. You get there and all your buddies are there. So oh, right. okay. it so was good. Kind of a little slice of home. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah a little slice of home. Yeah, the 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 touring is about what genre mm. you work in. And musical theatre is kind of a fake touring experience because you're not in and out of a truck every night or even every week. Right. You know, the the shortest amount of time I was anywhere was three months. A- apart from Singing in the Rain, we did Hong Kong and Singapore for probably four weeks. But, yeah, I mean, when it's you... still a month. yeah. Yeah, it's still... It's not touring around from town to town. No, it's you, like you get there and you stop for a while. You set up. And, yeah, yeah. And you set up. And, you know, my thing was always, oh, what do I do? Because if you are touring away from where you live, the company is obligated to provide you accommodation. So you get accommodation or they'll give you the monetary value of the accommodation and you find your own. Oh. I met some awesome people. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> Just doing share accommodation out of the Really? Yeah, because, yep. you know, you're there for six months. You kind of – it's not nice being in the motel room for that long. Yeah, being alone too. Being, yeah, being isolating. alone. It is – it can be yeah. very, very isolating. Right. So get there, get people. Just meet some people. Yeah, make it, <laughs> make it happen. I love that. That's and awesome. It was great. So it really is a good lifestyle for just – well, it seems like an adventurous sort of personality, someone who's kind of just happy to go places and do this thing they love and then meet different people and different cultures yeah, and, yeah. and not necessarily be super tied down, it sounds like you're someone. Yeah, that's why it's great when you're young and just don't have just, any commitments. Just do anything. That's, that's your commitment. Yeah. You don't have anything else to commit to. And it actually sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah, talking it up a little bit. Yeah. Like, oh, maybe, maybe I, what am I doing acting for? Maybe I could be a stage manager. That's cool. Yeah. Hi again. You must be very confused as to why you're hearing my voice in the middle of an interview. Well, uh, welcome to the mid roll. So, this is something I'm trialing and sort of hoping to incorporate into future episodes. It sort of spawned out of a place where I was consciously aware that an hour of content that's also an interview that's designed to sort of help you is a lot of information to take in and an hour of that is a lot. So I'm putting these mid-rolls in as kind of a chance for you to have a mental break, I suppose. Um, And I also figured while they're here, I would like it to be something where I sort of speak about me and you guys can connect a little bit further with with who I am and what I'm doing. 
So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully this being a constant thing and it being well received. So uh, I suppose that I should talk about what I've been doing and stuff. The easiest thing to talk about right now is obviously the podcast. So recently, a couple of days ago, about four days ago, we reached 200 um, total listens, which is, I'm very proud of that because I did not expect this podcast to go even this far. So I'm, I'm quite proud of that, even though it is quite small, but looking forward to the future and seeing how that goes. Isolation is obviously a big thing on everyone's mind right now, and uh, it's been treating me well, as well as you can be while self-isolating. Still chugging along with the uni course and trying to learn acting online. Um, I'm kind of thriving in certain ways, but yeah, I think I think this, this is good for me because it gives me a chance to also focus a lot on the podcast. So thank you so much for coming along on this journey with me. And I, I do genuinely hope you get something out of it because although it's something for me, I, I do get to learn a lot from the people I interview. I'm sort of hoping to pass that wisdom on in a sense. And, I, and I've been thinking about it and I've been thinking about who I want to interview. And I, I came to the decision that I didn't want to interview casting directors or agents um, because I personally this might offend some people <laughs> I don't see them as artists in a way I see them as uh, businesses that help artists sort of gain commerce so I wanted to stick to to just artists and I know some people would love to hear what agents and and casting directors have to say about the industry, in which case there are other podcasts out there that do that, so you should swing over to them and, and listen to that. But this is for this is for Australian artists. So yeah, I mean speaking of Australian artists, I would actually like to do a little shout out to a, another podcast uh, who who uh, two friends of mine are doing. It's called uh, Jordan and Geordie do stuff. It's not stuff, it's defecate. I don't want to say the actual word because I'll have to bleep it out and I'm... It's been a long day, so I don't want to do that. But, um, their, their latest episode is called Salad or Sandwich? A fun game to play in quarantine. And that's episode four. And, um, yeah, if you're looking for fun vibes and just sort of two friends hanging out and just, like, enjoying each other's company, it's, it's pretty good. Um, so, other than that, it's been four and a half minutes now, so hopefully you haven't gotten bored. Um, I'm gonna let you get back into the interview now. Uh, the next 25 minutes is very interesting, especially the part where Claire speaks about, uh, just off the top of my head, where she's speaking about stage management and nepotism, and whether you get the job out of luck or out of actually being skillful. Super interesting stuff. Yeah, I'll see you at the end of this podcast. Catch you then. Yeah, a lot of people go, oh, you can't make any money in theatre. You know, what are you doing that for? It's not true. You yeah. know, you just have to... Be in the right places. Be in the right places. You do work your butt off. Yeah, it's, I presume it's really hard. Are you? Would you consider yourself a very hardworking person? Yeah, I don't leave anything um, 
thought about. Oh, yeah. You know, like you have to have everything in place so you have the answers. Yeah, I, I can't go, I don't rest unless things are, are done. And that's, I think that's also a good point to touch on because it's like, oh, you make this sound like almost like you just got to make your decisions and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, it, it's not. It's, it's hard, long hours, stressful yeah. hours. Yeah, yeah. And it can be very monotonous. Yeah, just When the same you're doing thing. the same show over, I did over 1,500 shows of The Lion King. And Ooh. that contract came with annual leave. Oh, and yeah. that's the only contract I've ever seen. That it has annual leave. leave. Yeah, because the the run just went. We were we were two years in Sydney. Jeez. Yeah. And were you there almost I all was, the time? I was there all the time. Although I did take an annual leave day to go yeah. and see David Bowie. Oh, nice. That's a good decision. Good decision. Yeah, that would have been mental. Yeah, and then Melbourne for a year after yeah. that, and then Shanghai. So, and that was just the same show. So it is hard work keeping up. In saying that, every show is different. And it's not what's yeah. shown to the audience that's different. It's what's it's, going on backstage. It's what's going on backstage. People are sick. Who's sick today? You know, like there would be days where you'd have nine people who were yeah, and sick. You're like, How mm. are we going to cover them? And it it is a lot of thinking. It's a lot of communicating with other departments to make it work. Of course, yeah. Yeah, it is certainly. It's, it's hard work. And the other thing about it, is that it's time frame. So you work Tuesday to Sunday and you work nights. So you don't really end up being able to see your friends who don't work in theatre. You know, no. your mum right rings, oh, such and such as wedding is on on this Saturday. Yeah, yeah, can't go. Yeah, and a lot of the time there is no one else to cover you. You know, like in the big musicals there, there is. Yeah. But if you are working for another state theatre company, there's no one else who can do your job? You just have to go. So Jeez. it's a it, lot of commitment. It's, it's a commitment. without. It's a lot of commitment without a lot of commitment. It's a bit. It's like you can go all of these places and you can can travel and do all these things. Yeah. But you you're can't committed do anything to, else. Yeah. It's, it's weird. <laughs> yeah. Is it's, is yeah. is it a big industry? Like obviously, I'm not sure about a lot of the backstage stuff. Yeah. But when you're working on different shows, do you see a lot of the similar people? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You run into the same people and it's an expression I use a lot it's your theatre family because they're the people you see every day it's not your family it's your theatre family that you see all the time and yes you do have the same people in and out you know when you start a new show you go, oh yeah it's cool. like, oh, it's, yeah. you're here you're yeah, here you're yeah. here okay and yeah the same faces do crop up which is lovely and you know I still am in touch with a lot of those people and you sort of have each other's back in one respect, you know, you sort of know what everyone's doing. I've lost touch a little bit now. I don't know what everyone's doing. You know, you sort of see each other. And they used to be in Sydney. They used to be a thing called Thirsty Thursday, where all the shows around would all go to this one pub called The Chamberlain. And oh, that sounds amazing. See everybody. That yeah, sounds really cool. Thirsty Thursday. Yeah. So it is a lovely industry in that respect as well. But it's almost family orientated. It's, it's like we're all kind of in this together and this. Yeah. This could go very bad very quickly, so let's just let's make this yeah, work. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. It is I like that. That sounds really nice. It is. Um, it is nice. Do you do you find? Oh, actually, I was about to say that I know for a fact that the indie film industry is a lot like that too. It's all the same people working on the same things, and that would be interesting to find out if that's 
an international thing if that's just how the arts work. Yeah. People that are in the arts do their thing and we all sort of mingle. Yeah. Or if it's just an Australian thing. Um, I'd say it's everywhere. I'd say, mm. and I'd say a lot of it is, oh, I met this guy who can do this. So the guy does it for you and then you go, well, there you go. Now you've got a team. Yeah, right. You know, okay, like yeah. It all builds up and then you know how each other works. So you do it again. Yeah. And I think that leads on to a good point of do a lot of the people that you find and, and sort of meet and, and know, have a lot of them sort of gained their positions through sort of nepotism or cronyism, like through knowing people or being family, have a lot yep. of people? There's a lot of that knowing people or someone knows somebody. There is a lot of that, but it hasn't dominated it. Like I think acting side is a little bit different in that it probably does dominate more, but not so much. Like there are people... This is, this is what's been at the front of my brain the last week. Right. Is that stage management is made up of two different types of people. So there's the people who get along with people and want to help, and there's the side who see it as a power thing because you are in control. Everybody has to do what you tell them to do. So there is that side. And the people that do it for control often find their way in through different means, not just their work. They will find the person at the party who is the producer of the show and go and talk to them. So there is a lot of that. But I don't think that it is dominant. It's not as prevalent as it's it is in acting. It's not as prevalent as it is in acting. Okay. And it can make for a funny sort of workplace if the people that are wanting the power are below someone that's a people person, mm. they don't like that. And it can make it a little bit awkward, but everybody in the industry knows each other. Yeah, and so they know which ones are which. They know really, which ones are which. And obviously, a lot of people don't like the power ones. Yeah, no one well, would. Obviously, it's like sometimes we need the job done and we don't like you, but you're super good at it. So Yeah, a lot of people don't understand what stage managers do. Even people who yeah. employ stage managers oh, don't necessarily <laughs> know. Well, people, you know, yeah. right up the ladder, like, you know, producers probably yeah. don't know really everything yeah. that stage managers do. So they don't care, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I suppose. You just you get the job They'll just done. go, oh, yeah, I met that dude at the party. Mm. Get him. I like him. But like I say, it's not something that is super dominant. Is super dominant. It's... it's 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 there, but are you saying like if you have the passion for it, it it's probably better than thinking about it as a power thing. Yeah. Um, and well, the, it would make for a nicer environment for everybody, I think. Including yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Including yourself, and you know, when you're with these people so much, it's important that you trust your team and that you have a good work environment with yeah. everybody. Otherwise, it's just a drag. It's just not going to work. Yeah. Okay, so you you travel internationally. You've done these big, big productions. And then you said you came back to Melbourne and you did the Malthouse stuff. So what's what's the biggest difference between um, something like doing The Lion King and doing something like um, uh, like Kin at the Maryland Theatre? 
um, yeah, yeah. in which you were SM4 in 2007, I think. Like, is there a big... No, I didn't do that. No? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. At the Malt House. I, I know things. I do research. Yeah, you did research. <laughs> what's What's a big difference between something like that? Um, Are you having a Oh. Maybe? Like, big commercial musical. Oh, more kind of like... All ritzy. We're going to make some money. Yeah, yep. <laughs> and we're going to make some money. And I move my right hand now because that's what they do in New York. You know, you you it's a cookie cutter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're cookie okay. cutters. And then back something like Kin, which was all Indigenous yeah. boys, mm. all young boys. They've got a story to tell. It's They've got their own story to tell. Something more than just... It's... Entertainment. Yeah, it's, yeah it's it's something, something to get your teeth into and you go away and you think for a few days and yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's it's very different. Very different. Exactly the same skills stage management wise. Mm. It's no different. But I guess you walk away feeling different. So Yeah, I can understand the, that. Yeah, and the audience walks away feeling different. Yeah. You know, there's there's been thought, obvious thought, and yep. things. There's something into it. Yeah. Not yep. just yeah. That's that's interesting. The fact that those big musicals are almost yeah just manufactured, it's mechanical. We're gonna yeah. make some money because people watch this yeah. kind of stuff. But in in their own right, they have their own stories to tell. But everybody in Australia is told what to do by America. Or no. England, or wherever the the show originated, oh, they I come see. over and they direct the show initially, and then they have resident directors and people that then follow that through. So there's no creative development. This show works here, and if you guys want to do it, we're going to show you how to do yep. it, and then you do it like this yep. all over the place. Yep. Ah, oh, so there's a lot less flexibility and a lot yeah, less. There's, there's no flexibility. Um, yeah. Where did you spend the majority of your time doing these big manufactured things or sort of working yeah, on the big things? Right, okay. Yeah. And did you do you prefer the little ones? I, th I prefer the musicals just because bigger. Yeah. You know, you've got it's the more, excitement, it's like, oh, cool, yeah, this is going to You've come got on, stuff to move. That. When you're calling the show, you've got fly cues, you've got automation cues, you've got revolve cues, you've got all of that. Um, it makes whereas, it more interesting. Kind yeah, of it gives you more. Whereas stuff to do. Whereas the SM plays, is something like buckets. You kind of just like, yeah, okay, you do this light now, cues, do that sound now. And sound cues. Yeah, like cool. I've got sixty cues for this entire thing, yeah. and that's it. And in a musical, like, you oh, have this more than sixty cues in the opening four number. Billion, like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So they're they're two different things. So stage management wise, it's easier to do those little shows. Yeah, less stressful. It's less stressful, possibly. Because things have been created, yeah. you know, there's a different aspect there, and then sometimes your stage management role can be mediator between right. creatives, trying to and that becomes come up with things. It's like um, we want this. Oh, yeah. well, we can kind of only do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because you, you obviously you don't have the budget, and often hmm. people want big be, things, yeah, and you have to compromise something to make it work. How do you manage with the stress? Like, obviously, it's insanely stressful. How do you manage that? Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't seem like a sort of naturally stressed person. You seem like you 
really like your time management stuff and you get a little bit stressed if that's out, but you don't let it overwhelm you, you kind of just... I'm very good at hiding it all. <laughs> oh, I see, I see. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you have to be, you know, like inside you'll be going, <laughs> but on the outside, you... Yeah. Yep. Okay. Just like, cool. This is all okay. Yeah, yeah. And then you go away, and you often go into your stage manager room. You just cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you you just have to keep going. It's mm. it's the job. You don't take it on board. Okay. You just have to not take it on board. It's not personal. Yeah, it's the job. It's, it's not it's you. It's the job. It's not you. Okay. If it's you, they'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, ho hopefully they don't tell you that. That would not be good. Jeez. Yeah, but you just you just flow. So how did your profession change? Um, so you went down to the malt house and you sort of settled down a little bit, I presume, with a partner. Yes. And then you had your son. Yep. Uh, how did your profession change when you, like, fully started up a family? I stopped work. I didn't work. Um, and then... When my son was two, I left that partner. Okay. And that's how I ended up back in Kimberley Bridlington. Oh, I see. Hamish and I ran home to my mum and dad, and here I am. Right. So we came back to Toowoomba, and I was a bit of a mess. Yeah, as you would be. As you would be. And we lived with my mum and dad for two years. So. God bless them, they coped with me. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. A two to four year old, when he was two and four, we lived with them. And I didn't know what I was going to do. Right. You know, I knew I had to do something because I think I had less than a thousand dollars in my bank account. <laughs> You're like, okay, do something. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Something's got to happen here. So I thought my natural tra trajectory would be teach stage manager. So I came out here, there was a stage management stream then. Yeah. That didn't happen. So I went down to the Empire and said, look, I don't know what you do. What <laughs> this is what I do. You yeah. got anything I can do? Mm. And thankfully, Tim Cannon down at the Empire said, well, we stage manage one show. Well, we, have, we produce one show a year that has a stage manager. I said, would you consider doing that? Yes. Please. Oh, yeah. Please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No question. So that was hairspray. Oh, yeah. That was hairspray. And it was great. I, yeah. it, it saved me. It was something I could do, get a bit of confidence back. So I enjoyed that and did that. But, you know, that's all they do for the year. Yeah. So you just do one show. So I did that for two Three months maybe by the time you have rehearsals and, and do everything and else. performances. And um, my mum and dad looked after my son while oh, I was doing right. that. Yeah. And it is the odd hours, yeah. you know, it, and it's particularly odd because all the performers are amateur. So it's not even during business hours. Oh, so right. rehearsals are Monday night, Thursday night, and all day Saturday, Sunday. What? Yeah, so it that's is awful for a kid. That's like yeah. a kid that would have been going to school or like yeah. that. Like that's... that's that's it. Yeah, that's it. It's really difficult. So I did a couple there at the Empire. Then I stopped for that reason. Yeah, um, I was like I need to look after my child. I got home one day and Hamish had 
draw me a card. Oh. And he had he had me with a big love heart above me and he had this big frowny face. <laughs> oh I'm like, no. Oh crap. <laughs> it's like, oh okay, something something. Okay, happened. I'm I'm hearing you, chick. I'm hearing you, I'm hearing you. <laughs> well, so it was it had to change. It had to change. Your commitment changes and stage management is such a commitment in itself. It is. You had to break up with it a little bit. Yeah, 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 I did. And so I didn't do it for a couple of years there. And then Hamish got older and started school and so wasn't relying on mum and dad so much. And we'd been able to move out by that that time. So I went back and did Kinky Boots. So that was last year. Yeah. And I also felt like a bit of a fraud. You know, I was here teaching you guys about stage management and I hadn't done it for a few years. Oh, and I was I kind, of, kind of feeling a bit funny about it. And I thought, oh, I'll just go. I, I kind of knew they hadn't organised anybody else to stage manage it. And I said to Tim, I'm thinking of applying. And he went, you don't apply, you just come and tell me. <laughs> I'm doing it. Okay, done. I'm doing it. So I did kinky boots and I did a I didn't do a very good job. You don't think so? No, I didn't do a good job. Okay. So I'm out. Oh. I kind of went, I had a lot going on and I don't know if you know, but I have MS now. Oh, I didn't know. And that. nothing quite works the same. Yeah. My right. memory is not the same and I wasn't able to answer the director's questions. Oh. And it shat me off. <laughs> yeah, because you knew you were capable of it, but it just... It just wasn't there. So right. you go, okay, I can take that. Yeah. I'll, that's okay. I know now. Hmm. I know now that it's probably a bit too hard. With everything else that was going on at the time while I was doing it, I was teaching you guys out here. Yeah. I was selling tickets at the box office here and at the Empire and, and renovating you, a house. And you still and, have Hamish. And having <laughs> son or and stage lot. managing Kinky Boots all at once. So there yeah. was probably a little too much going on there to mm. be able to focus enough on it because, you know, technically it should be all I was doing yeah. to really make it work. But it wasn't because... I had to keep these other jobs for when Kinky Boots finished. Yeah. So you just have to have to do it. What's stopping you from doing from doing teaching? What's I know you haven't done it in a few years, but when I first came back to Toowoomba, I did do some supply teaching. So I did some supply teaching at one of the primary schools at I call it Prep because that's yep. what it was called when I went there, but it's yep. now called Taz and at Downlands, and it's just so different. Like everything is on computer. People studying music can't necessarily read music. It's all very different. And anyway, now it's um, all theoretical because I didn't get my full registration. To get your full teacher's registration, you have to teach for a whole year before you can get a full registration. So I was on a temporary registration for 20 years or something. And now, no, it must be 10, 15. But that time has now expired, so oh, I would have to do it all again. Do it all again, and I don't want to. <laughs> I, I oh, good on you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would prefer to sell tickets at a box office. All care, no responsibility. You know, teachers. There's a lot expected of us of school yeah. teaching, and 
you know, I think, again, I'd prefer to come home and help my son with his homework than mark everybody else's. So And that's, and that's lovely. At the moment, it works. It works, yeah. So we'll move on to the final question because okay. we're coming up to there. I ask this um, of all my guests. It's just... Uh, it's, it's interesting because it encapsulates sort of a little bit of potential regret, um, sort of hindsight. Like it's it's just if you could give your younger self some advice, what would you tell them? Ooh. That's usually the response I get, like, ah, oh, so many things. <laughs> yeah. Trust yourself. Trust yourself. Be brave. Back your decisions. Just go with it. It, it, it is a funny question, isn't it? Because yeah. even the things in your life often have a good result. Like my son's awesome and my new husband is absolutely awesome. But that wouldn't have happened But that wouldn't have happened certain without things. the yeah. you know? So, you know, I, I often think, you know, if you had your time again, would you have done that? Maybe, maybe it's an outlook. Maybe it's a way to look at, like, through these bad things, maybe something will come out of it that's good. Yeah, I think so. You know, there's good and bad. Without bad, how do you know it's good? Yeah, you need that you spectrum. Know, you need you need the spectrum to, to know what to, to, to strive for. That's awesome. So yeah, that's thank you so much for joining us. This You're was welcome. awesome. It was really nice <laughs> to speak to you again. Hi again. You've made it all the way to the end of the podcast. Uh, thank you for listening to my interview with Claire. She is such a lovely woman, and she had such an engrossing journey. Uh, Claire has this certain way that she approaches her life, where she kind of just seems to go where it takes her, and I am definitely down for that. <laughs> to, to relate it back to the previous episode with Marcus... Kind of, as a young Australian artist, it is okay to be where I am. I don't need to compare myself to someone else's journey, you know? Uh, as this whole kind of podcast is about, everyone's journeys are their own. So there's something to be learned from that, definitely. Uh, Claire's insights on some of the institutions in Australia, specifically NIDA, were very interesting too. And uh, her, her thoughts on... The balance between family and artistic work was something that's not relevant to me yet, but it's something I'll keep in mind definitely later down the track. So yeah, thank you very much, Claire. That was a lovely interview. If you'd like to get in contact with the podcast, send an email to anactorandamike at gmail.com or swing a message to the Facebook page. So the next episode is also an interesting one, but for different reasons. I speak to a visual artist who's path has taken him on some crazy adventures if you're interested in going along for a wild ride you'll definitely enjoy it so until then keep making art and being spectacular